The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and on this episode, I'm joined by one of the co-hosts of 2.1 Seconds to Madness, none other than Russell Hangline himself. What's going on, Russ? Hey, man. Just trying to watch some uh, some basketball today. Big day today. Lots of basketball. We're recording this on Thursday, which is the start of all the top four seeds getting started in the major conferences, so... 24 hours of basketball, basically, if you want to watch it today. So please indulge in this weekend and next week as well, because it's going to be the same thing starting next Thursday and Friday as well. But I've got Russ here to first talk about and catch up with him, how he's been this year. Uh, You and K-Bass, unfortunately, couldn't, you know, give us the weekly content that you have been providing for the last couple of years on college basketball. So just kind of, you know, catch the people up with how you're feeling about Uh, the season, uh, you know, the ups and downs of your own team personally and just overall the state of college basketball? Oh, man, it's been a great year. Um, A lot of parity in terms of sport. I've been good, too. For those who listened to my podcast, so I'm a writer, and I've also launched a website with my wife, The Beer Travel Guide. So we've had a lot on our plate. Uh, My co-host has had a lot on his plate as well. So everything's fine. Everything's actually great. That's why it's been so hard to do the podcast uh, because like so much stuff in real life is going on Uh, in terms of the sport itself. I mean, I think it's been a really great year. Uh, A lot of parody. I feel like Um, maybe not as much at the top, but like beyond that, I think maybe there's only about like six teams at most, I would say are, are possible title contenders. So, uh, but then again, that feels right generally speaking um yeah but like you know kansas obviously losing the big 12 great story big story kentucky tennessee and lsu in the sec really duking it out Uh, obviously duke unc and virginia duking it out no pun intended in the acc uh the big 10 having its own stuff going on with uh michigan michigan state even though michigan state's hurt they still go on and win the big 10 purdue somehow getting the share of the title so, yeah, just a lot of competition this year. Uh, really, really interesting stuff. Uh, and a lot of really good mid-major teams this year as well, uh, including a couple that will actually probably get at-large bids uh, if they don't win their conference tournament. I know that Wofford is one of those teams that will almost certainly get an at-large bid, which is really exciting to see as well. Uh, a lot of fans of the sport obviously want to see more mid-majors get into the tournament sort of what makes the tournament really special. We obviously saw that with Loyola last year making its run. Uh, and we we want to see more of that. I, I don't know about you. I'm sick of seeing Syracuse limp in with 14 losses. I'd rather see some really good mid-major come in. So, yeah. Yeah, so I think the sport is great in terms of my team. My team is Duke, uh, as listeners of my show know. Um, it's been a great year. Would have loved full health. Uh, obviously for the rivalry games would have loved full health. Uh, it's really ridiculous that to date, 
uh, UNC somehow between Kyrie Irving, Harry Giles, and Zion Williamson only got to play 16 minutes against the three of them combined. Uh, that's just, you know, par for the course, I guess. But, like, uh, hopefully there will be a rematch on Friday with Zion. Um, I think that that is a great matchup that favors Duke in a lot of ways when Zion is on the court. Uh, just because Duke really doesn't have anybody for Luke May if Zion is not there. Uh, but if Zion is there, then Luke May has very little that he can do, I think. So uh, I just think that's a huge, huge chess piece to remove from the board in that matchup. So uh, hopefully we'll see that on Friday. But it's been a great year. Uh, otherwise, it's been a lot of fun to watch. I got to go to Cameron and see Duke uh, play this year, which is really exciting. And, yeah, I think if if they can remain healthy, big, big if, then they have a very, very good chance uh, at the title. So, Again, that's all really you ever want as a fan is to have your team be one of the few teams that's in title contention. So feels good. All right. So we'll get into uh, talking about these conference tournaments, and we'll start with the granddaddy of them all, the ACC. As you mentioned, Virginia is going to come into this year's tournament as a top seed, with North Carolina as the second seed, Duke as the third seed, and Florida State as the fourth seed. So I just kind of want you to handicap each team's chances of coming out victorious in this year's ACC tournament out of those top four teams. Oh man, I you know who was the fourth again? Florida I mean, State. it doesn't it doesn't matter. Okay, so there's only three. Obviously, it's Virginia, UNC, and Duke. Uh, I think that if Duke is healthy, if Zion is the way that he is, um, then I think that Duke has a really good chance of getting back to Virginia playing them for a third time. It's obviously very, very hard to beat a team three times, especially a team that has been as terrific as Virginia all year long. Uh, that having been said, you know, one of the things that has made this year really special for Duke fans is that Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett, they, they want the big moment. They want it. Uh, they don't shy away from the spotlight. Uh, we've had a couple of freshmen who are very talented in recent years who, you know, just maybe aren't really built for the, that moment um, who, who don't really embrace it as much or who seem to play with nerves uh, and those two guys don't. So, I mean, I, I'd say if I'm, if I'm setting the line, let's say Duke is Duke's got a harder path than Virginia. I guess you got to consider that as well. Um, but I also think, I mean, Louisville and UNC is going to be a really interesting game today, I think, because, I mean, I know that you're a UNC fan. You recall that Louisville really beat the hell out of them at the Dean Dome earlier this year. Uh, there's clearly uh, enough size on Louisville to deal with UNC, and, and I think they have the hardest matchup today. So I think UNC's path would easily be the hardest. I'm going to put their odds lowest. Uh, obviously not lower than FSU, but um, out of the three realistic contenders – uh, obviously, if UNC loses to Louisville, then you increase Duke's odds of winning the ACC tournament. Um, but I think I, uh, it'd be it'd be hard for me to say. I, I don't want to discount Virginia just because they lost twice to Duke already. Virginia is really, really playing out of their minds. They've played out of their minds all year, with the exception of the Duke games. So I'd say pretty coin flip between Virginia and Duke, honestly. Um, yeah, I, again, assuming that Zion is. 100% healthy, which it seems like he is. Um, 
Duke may miss Bolden in the Virginia game uh, just because he's good against that that big guy, Jack Salt, that they have. Um, they like to play sort of a big rim guy like that. Um, so they may miss Bolden there. I don't know. That's that's such a coin flip for me. It's really hard for me to say one way or another. The, Vegas would tell you Virginia is the favorite. All right. Yeah, Carolina's matchup today against Louisville, when I saw that, I kind of cringed a little bit just because Louisville's outside shooting can definitely give Carolina a problem, which was the recipe for the 20-point win uh, back in, I think that was early uh, January, late January, early February. So, yeah, Carolina's going to definitely have to guard the perimeter uh, against Louisville to try to make them a two-point shooting team and then hope that they're making their own three-point shots uh, in, in return to kind of – uh, you know, balance the things out because Carolina's not really that strong on the inside. And it kind of showed at the end of the Duke game on Saturday where they have this 12 point lead. They're trying to knock Duke out and they keep shooting these threes with four minutes to go. Like, what are y'all doing? Yeah. I mean, that's also just the game today, isn't it? Right. Like, uh, you know, certainly Duke has lost uh, its games like that by just settling for bad threes. Um, you know, the analytics obviously would state that, the three pointer is a better shot than the contested two that like, unless you can get a layup, the three pointer is the best shot. And I think teams are maybe overcorrecting a little bit on that. And then, and tossing up too many that are contested or early in the shot clock or uh, things like this. I'll, I'll say between UNC and Louisville, the, the difference is going to be the rebounding. I mean, cause obviously UNC did beat Louisville at Louisville. And in that game, they had a, 49 to 32 rebounding advantage. I mean, that's massive. Louisville shot the three really well at Louisville also. It's just that if you don't get a single board, if, if, you're, if your rebounding margin is minus 17, you're probably going to lose the game. Whereas at the Dean Dome, uh, Louisville had the rebounding advantage 40 to 31. Uh, so, yeah, I, it's who wins the boards. It, it'll just be who wins the boards. I, I think UNC has been doing a really good job on the glass as of late. Um, but yeah, I mean, Louisville Louisville's just sneaky, man. And they're really well coached. Uh, I think Chris Mack is a great, great coach. I know they had that big fall apart against Duke, and, and people have been razzing them a little bit for some of those late game problems. But they're such an untalented team. <laughs> they're so relatively untalented for what we expect from Louisville. There's maybe one pro player on that team at most. Whereas, like, UNC's got, what, I mean, at least three, probably four uh, obviously, Duke has uh, at least four. Um, so, I mean, the fact that Louisville has been as competitive as they have been with this roster uh, is really a testament to Chris Mack's coaching ability. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens today. Before we move away from the ACC, talk about uh, the, some teams at the back end of the uh, bubble for the ACC. I think they're projected to maybe get as many as seven. If everything works out, the bubble teams that are on the bubble make it. So uh, NC State, they got a win yesterday against Clemson. Uh, come from behind, they were, didn't have a great first half, held Clemson to 16 points in the second half. May have got a charity foul call, two free throws, and they win by one. Uh, talk about the bubble in the ACC. Who do you think's going to get in and who do you think's going to get bounced out? Well, I mean, Syracuse is in. Um, I, I If they lose today, which, again, I think they probably will, they're not going to have Tyus battle for the game today. So I think that's a – Pretty excusable loss. Um, I, I think they're going to be right around the nine seed, maybe the ten seed line. I'd be really surprised if they dropped off. 
Um, obviously, beating Duke at Duke is is just such a huge resume builder. Even though Duke was down nearly half of their starting lineup, I mean, it, at the end of the day, on paper, that's still going to be a great looking win. NC State and Clemson are both really terrible. Um, <laughs> they're just bad. I'd love to see neither of them get in. Uh, now, granted, as we're recording this, NC State is beating Virginia at the half. Um, I don't expect that to sustain. I obviously expect Virginia to win this game. Uh, Clemson is, in my opinion, out. I can't imagine a world in which Clemson gets in. Uh, you know, Clemson right now, their their net is 35, which is pretty good. But, I mean, they are 1-10 and 10 against uh, Quadrant 1 teams. Uh, six and three against quadrant two. So like a seven and 13 between quadrant one and two with only one quad one win. I don't think that's good enough. And then NC state. I mean, if they win today, they're, they're obviously in, but NC state also three and nine against, uh, against the net quad one. They're obviously 33rd in the net, which you'd think would get a team in, but and they've been making this point on TV a lot, and I think it's a good one. NC State has the worst non-conference strength of schedule in the country, uh, period, out of all teams. And I forget who it was on TV yesterday. It might have been Lafonso Ellis. It was somebody who was like, "Do you know how hard it is to have the worst non-conference strength of schedule? Like, you don't accidentally have the worst non-conference strength of schedule. Like, you plan on having the worst non-conference strength of schedule. I mean." Uh, you you look up and down and, and it's absolutely abysmal. I mean, they've got a couple like good games there, but I mean the the start of their season, people made fun of Georgetown all the time last year for playing a bunch of teams that were like sub three hundred in Ken Palm. I mean Mount St Mary's, Maryland Eastern Shore, Maine St Peter's, uh, USC Upstate. I mean they might as well have just been playing in the SWAC. You know what I mean? It's ridiculous. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the committee makes an example of them and says, look. We don't like when teams don't challenge themselves outside of the conference. We just don't like it. They've held St. Mary's out in the past for that exact thing. And again, they just uh, they have a scarcity of big wins. I mean, they've got they've got Auburn at home. I mean, which is which is a decent win, but that 9 and 9 in conference or whatever they are, yeah, 9 and 9 in conference, that's no wins against the top half of the conference. Zero. Right, so I've, I've got to think that they're out if they don't win today. I, I would hope that they're out. I would much rather see a mid-major play than terrible, terrible NC State. The other team that should be comfortably in would be Virginia Tech. You think, right? Oh yeah, I mean they're like a top five seed. They're gonna get a they're gonna get a really high seed. They're great. Yeah, and Louisville will be like in the in the middle of that pack as well. They'll be like six, seven, somewhere in there. Okay. So we're going to move from the ACC over to the Big Ten, where, like you said, Michigan State and Purdue, they shared the regular season title. They're going to be the top two seeds. We're going to have Michigan as a third seed. And Wisconsin, with a disappointing end to the season, are going to, is going to be the fourth seed. So again, like we did with the ACC, kind of handicap those top four seeds. Who do you think is going to be victorious this weekend coming out of the Big Ten? Yeah, I mean – a couple of storylines here, right? Um, I think Wisconsin is better than people expected them to be. Uh, people did not expect – last year they were not very good, but they had a lot of injuries. Um, this year they brought – like I think – I want to say like Khalil Iverson was hurt last year. Uh, 
Maybe Trice had some injury problems, but they were young and they were beat up. So this year, people came in expecting them to be sort of a middle-of-pack team. I've been really high on Wisconsin all year. Uh, I think Wisconsin is really, really good. Um, I think they're underrated as a uh, as a team sort of on the national uh, sort of circuit in general. Um you know, right now I think they'd be on like the four or five line in the NCAA tournament when really they're as strong as about a three seed. So if you're a one seed, you really don't want to be drawing a team like Wisconsin, uh, not with their experience, not with happen there. Um, yeah, this is going to be an interesting tournament. I don't really know who I love because I think Michigan State, the one seed, they may be getting Nick Ward back, which would definitely be big for them. but. Uh, they've got to face a hot Indiana team, realistically, right? So that's already going to be by far, in my opinion, the hardest uh, entry-level game, except maybe like Maryland playing Wisconsin, presumably. Um, you got to like Purdue and Michigan down at the bottom there for having uh, an easier path to the thing. Because, I mean, Michigan State, in order to make the finals, has to beat Indiana and then beat the winner of Wisconsin or Maryland, and especially if it's Wisconsin. I mean, that's just – that's a brutal one-two punch of teams, I would think. Um, so then you got to deal with Michigan versus Purdue. Uh, Michigan really beat the brakes off of Purdue early this year. Purdue uh, and Michigan both, honestly, have benefited some from uh, an easier schedule uh, in the conference. Uh, but make no mistake, Michigan, I think, is really good. I think that Michigan is sort of underrated as a title contender, I mean, people forget, you know, just how well they've done the last couple of years and how they've really transformed themselves from an offensive-minded team into a defensive-minded team. Um, they got a lot of experience. they got a lot of shooters. So if you were asking me to bet, I would go with Michigan here. Um, I, I just don't know that Purdue, since they're very reliant on Carson Edwards, and I think Xavier Simpson is a good enough defender to lock him up. I, I like Michigan over Purdue in that matchup. And then – Again, presumably you've got Michigan versus Michigan State there. Um, obviously, in the regular season, Michigan State got the best of Michigan, so that would certainly sort of suggest that Michigan State would be better. But as I said about Duke and Virginia, it's really hard to beat a team three times, especially when both teams are really, really good. Um, and because Michigan State's path is just going to be a lot harder, in my opinion, if they have to play – Indiana and then follow it with Wisconsin, um, then, yeah, I I like Michigan to win the Big Ten tournament. I, I will say Maryland is probably the sneaky team here. Uh, I've given Maryland a lot of crap over the years for, you know, just being bad, for being not very good in general. Uh, and, again, they've sort of struggled with the upper tier of the Big Ten as well. I mean, uh, what are they? There's something like two and five, two and six against those top four seeds. Uh, but when you've got a team with big men like that, um, you know, and they've got Jalen Smith and Bruno Fernando, that's certainly a, a pair of players that gave Ethan Happ trouble during the regular season. If you give Ethan Happ trouble, then you give Wisconsin trouble. Then they sneak by. Maybe they can play against uh, Michigan State at that point. Um, Again, I, I wouldn't be optimistic that Maryland would beat Michigan State, but they've just got a lot of talent on their team, and I think that's really hard to dismiss. But I think if Maryland beat Wisconsin and then Maryland is playing Michigan State, 
then that's when I would place my bet for who would win it all. And then I, then I probably would bet on Michigan State at that point. Talk about the bubble teams in the Big Ten. Who do you think is going to make it and who's going to get bounced off? Uh, I think Iowa's probably in. Um, they'll be like an 8-9 seed. I think they're pretty comfortably in. Ohio State's got to win. Um, they're playing right now, I believe. I don't know what the score is. Um, they got to beat Indiana. Um, I can't imagine that they feel safe uh, without it. Maybe they played later today. That must be it. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's just the ranked teams. All right, I'm going to pull that up while I'm talking. Um, I think Ohio State's got to win in order to be in, in order to sniff that. Um, I do not believe Indiana should be in. <laughs> I mean, obviously, if they lost today, then they're definitely out. Um but in particular, just you can't have that many losses, man. I mean, and they got bad losses. Like, so OSU is up on Indiana seven and a half right now. Uh, I don't think, I think it's a must win for both teams. I think the loser, I, I'd be surprised if they make it. I think they should be out, uh, whoever the loser is. And I think both teams probably need to beat Michigan State to feel really good. Um yeah, I, I just wouldn't really bet on either of them getting in. I mean, what's the what's the net situation here with either of them? Uh, Ohio State, 54th in the net. They've got some good wins, but they've got a quad three loss. Indiana's got six big wins, which obviously is really good. But, I mean, they're 8-15 and 15 against quad one and two, and they've got 14 losses. They'll almost certainly end the season with 15 losses. And how are you, you going to make the tournament with 15 losses, dude? You know, like – how are you going to get in with like at best like an eighteen and fifteen record realistically? I just can't imagine that. If they hadn't swept Michigan State, then I don't even think this is a conversation. Like I think they're an obvious, obvious NIT team. So um, I don't think they should get in. I think they're bad. <laughs> um, Minnesota is probably on the right side of things. I think they're sort of a, an interesting case. Um, 56 in the net is obviously not very good, um, but they've got, like, they're 9 and 12. That's a little closer to 500 against the uh, quad one, quad two. They got a couple of big wins. And they've also just got a, a bit of an easier path to collect some wins here, if I recall correctly. I mean, they got Penn State today. Um, they've got Purdue, assuming they win today. Um I don't remember off the top how they did against Purdue during the regular season, but um, the, yeah, they lost at Purdue, but then they beat Purdue at home. So, I mean, maybe that's a, an interesting game. I think you got to beat Purdue to feel really safe, but I think ultimately if like all these teams lose, Minnesota's probably in Indiana and Ohio state, hopefully out. <laughs> this is know the score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by my special guest, Russell Hangline of the 2.1 Seconds to Madness podcast. And we're talking about the conference tournaments and the upcoming NCAA tournament as well. So we'll shift over to the SEC. This was a fun league this year where LSU survived and they came out with the number one seed for this year's tournament, followed by Kentucky, Tennessee and South Carolina. Now, LSU's had some controversy with their coach. Uh, the last couple of weeks, so they have a big distraction heading into March and these uh, conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament. So, Russ, who's your favorite to win the SEC this weekend? 
Well, I mean, you, you've got to assume that uh, Will Wade is not coaching. <laughs> so if he's not coaching, um, then, yeah, you, you got to assume that, that LSU you can just sort of rule out. Um, Kentucky and Tennessee are the obvious favorites here. Um, I also like Auburn a lot, and, and frankly – you look at who Auburn's got lined up. They've got Missouri today. If they win, they've got South Carolina, a really weak, a super weak force. I mean, like, South Carolina is not realistically an NCAA tournament team unless they win the SEC tournament. So they're really weak. That helps. Uh, then they could get an LSU team that's down to Javante Smart, is down their coach. I mean, you, you've got to sort of like their chances to sneak into the SEC title game. Um I'd like that to happen, frankly. Kentucky and Tennessee, um, both teams really good, both title contenders. Uh, these are sort of the really interesting uh, – these are the interesting matchups here. Tennessee, I think, has a bit of a harder path, one could argue. Uh, they're playing you know, Mississippi State, realistically, as their, as their hardest option uh, there. I don't think Texas A&M is going to do anything. So Tennessee-Mississippi State, although Tennessee beat Mississippi State, so maybe that's not a problem. Uh, Ole Miss-Alabama for Kentucky, again, I really don't see many problems there. Kentucky, like Duke, can sometimes sleep through a first half because they're so talented, and then that can really bite them in the ass. It's done so a couple of times this year. So, I mean, I I guess there's a possibility that that could go down. Uh, Obviously, Kentucky lost to Alabama earlier this year, uh, nearly lost to Ole Miss. Uh, both on the road, though. Um, I just like Kentucky and Tennessee to rematch. Um, if you asked me gun to head which team is better on a neutral court like this, I mean, I, I, you got to go. Let me ask you a question, and this will decide it. Who do you trust more in a high-pressure game, Rick Barnes or John Calipari? I think Rick Barnes is great. I, I like Rick Barnes got a bad reputation at Texas, but he's also the best coach in the history of Texas basketball. Like, he is the most accomplished coach by far of a university that really has no history of basketball success. I mean, we're seeing what's happening to Shaka Smart right now, too. Like, they've, they're always able to get a couple of decent recruits, but there's just no history of basketball success. I mean, that's a big sort of monkey to get off the back. Tennessee has done decently over the years. Um, Kentucky obviously has way better history than Tennessee that goes that saying, but I don't mistrust Rick Barnes in a big game, really. Um, Especially with this team, he's done so, so well. Um, The question really becomes Tennessee 13 and four against squad one and two Kentucky 15 and five Kentucky's in a little better against tougher opponents and so you sort of have to wonder about that. P.J. Washington has been playing out of his mind lately, but Grant Williams, player of the year, um, it's going to come down to do you pick experience or do you pick talent? Um, I generally lean talent personally, uh, but obviously this time of year it's really, really tough to say. Kentucky should get Reed Travis back, though, I would think, for that game. Um and he's just really important to what they do down low. So gun to head, I'm taking Kentucky. But uh, if Tennessee like won by 10 to 12 also, I'd sort of be like, okay, that makes sense. Like that's just like Duke. That's such a coin flip 
uh, like Duke, Virginia, just a real coin flip scenario in my opinion, because just both teams are, are so different, but also really good. Um, so anything can happen. All right. The bubble in the SEC, who do you see as uh, teams to watch out for? Are they going to make it? And who's going to be sad on Sunday when the announcements come out? Yeah, I mean, Mississippi State and Auburn are both really safe. Um, Auburn is honestly – so this is going to ruin a take that I've been giving people uh, because I think Auburn will make the SEC title game if Will Wade continues to be out here. Um I think Auburn is grossly underrated as a like Cinderella Elite Eight Final Four type of team. Um, they right now are projected at about a six seed, but I think Ken Palm has them at the strength of like a high four seed. I mean, they're going to be grossly underseeded for how good they are. Um, they're just so so dangerous, especially when they're on. They're they're really really hard to beat. So. Granted, if they go to the SEC title game, they're going to they're going to become a four seed or a five seed. But that's definitely a four seed or five seed that's capable of beating a one seed, uh, in my opinion. Um, the, yeah, they hung in there with Duke pretty well earlier this year. Uh, in terms of bubble teams, I mean, Ole Miss is pretty safely in. I think Florida is really the only team realistically on the bubble. Uh, for the SEC, I, I don't really see a scenario in which Alabama gets in unless they beat Kentucky. Um, yeah, I don't really know what Florida would have to do to get in. Um, they've got a pretty good shot at beating LSU. I mean, that would that would help even with LSU's problems. Um, yeah, Florida's 32nd uh, in – uh, they're 32nd in the net. Uh, they've got some – Pretty good wins, uh, seven and twelve against quad one and two, three wins. The yeah, I mean they smell like a tournament team to me. Frankly, um, I think they probably belong in. But again, this is another team that's probably going to have fifteen losses. I mean, like, how do you take a team with fifteen losses into the NCAA tournament? I mean, if they beat Arkansas, they beat LSU, then at least they're like at nineteen and fifteen. Uh, they'll have beaten LSU multiple times. Uh, man, but now that I'm looking at the resume, I don't like them either. These teams are just bad, Don. That's the problem. Whenever we talk <laughs> about bubble teams, we're talking about bad teams. We're talking about teams that are like mediocre at best, who can't close games, who uh, have maybe talent but wild inefficiency. Meanwhile, you've got so many teams that are going to be on the outside. This is my soapbox section of this. You've got Belmont that belongs in the tournament, in my opinion. You've got Lipscomb, who belongs in the tournament. Um, You've just got these teams that so hardcore belong uh, and that would be so much more interesting to watch. I mean, it'd be so much better to see Hofstra in the NCAA tournament to watch uh, Justin Foreman Wright uh, go up against players uh, than it would for any for any of the like who do you want to see on Florida play? Do you want you want to see Jalen Hudson take the worst three point shots you've ever seen in your whole damn life? I mean, do you want to see Alabama run that like muck garbage offense? I mean, like what do you what do people want there? I mean, it's ridiculous. So I I I don't know, man. Like I just can't see any of these teams getting in. I'd so much rather see a scenario in which. You know how they do like the first uh, four games in Dayton, right? right? You know how right. they do those. Make all of those games 
play in games for mid major teams. That's what I think they should do. They, if you're if you're Kansas State or if you're Syracuse or whatever, you should not be allowed to play a play in game. If you're that bad, you should not be in the tournament. Period. And furthermore, if you win your conference tournament, I I hate that they make some 16 seeds play in the play in games. They won their conference tournament. Let them play a one seed. Give them a shot at Virginia or Gonzaga. Right? Don't don't make them play uh, Mount St. Mary's or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's ridiculous. Put them into the tournament. Let those eight teams be the best of the mid-majors that didn't win their conference tournaments. Right? Give me the Belmont. Give me the Lipscomb. Give me like if Davidson loses, you know, their uh, if their conference tournament. Right? Give me give me teams like this. I mean, like that's that's where the real intrigue. That's where the heart of the sport is. That's. So anyway, that's my. That would be a that would be a true true play in scenario there. Give me Toledo, like God bless you know, just make it happen. We'll shift over to a conference that was pretty competitive as well, and that's the Big Twelve. As you stated earlier, Kansas did not win the conference or share the conference title this year. Kansas State and Texas Tech they shared the top spot with Kansas coming in third. And Baylor rounding out the top four seeds in this year's Big 12 tournament. Uh, Baylor is actually playing as we are recording this right now. So your choices, or your choice rather, for the winner of this weekend's Big 12 tournament is? Uh, This is actually probably the easiest one to pick. I'm going to pick Texas Tech. Uh, I I don't think there's much of a choice here. Uh, Kansas has been quietly bad uh, the last you know, few weeks. Um, they've really fallen apart. Kansas State is not going to have Dean Wade. We've seen what a giant difference that makes on this team. Um, so it's, uh, that really clears an easy path for Texas Tech. I, I actually sort of don't expect Kansas to survive today. I think they'll probably lose to Texas, <laughs> um, a really desperate Texas team versus a Kansas team that just seems to have really punted this season away. They know they're like the losers in the history of the last two decades of Kansas, and they're not wearing that well. Texas Tech is going to beat the hell out of West Virginia today. Uh, I think they can easily beat the winner of Kansas, Texas. Um, And then Kansas State, I think, would fall. I I saw that Iowa State is beating Baylor uh, right now. Iowa State is another team that I think is a sleeper, uh, period. They've got so much talent. Now, they've had some consistency issues, no question. They've really sort of limped across the finish line. Uh, I would have liked to have seen them put up more of a challenge against Texas Tech at home in the last game of the season. But, I mean, you're talking about uh, – and, and, frankly, I, I think if I recall correctly, Shayok missed at least one of those games. He, he missed the West Virginia game, so that's obviously – why that one didn't go down the way it went. But, like, Nick Wilder-Babb, Talon Horton-Tucker, Shayok, uh, Wigginton, uh, who didn't play a lot early this year, uh, Cameron Lard, uh, who has actually gotten, like, inconsistent minutes. I don't really know what's going on with him. I'd have to look into that. And then Tyrese Halliburton, who's really come on, been one of the most impressive freshmen in the country. I mean, you're looking at a, an Iowa State team that's got – potentially like five future NBA players on that roster. I mean, they are deep, 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 and they're really young on the whole. So I I sort of like it to be Texas Tech, Iowa State uh, in the Big 12 title game. But uh, again, you've got to give it up to Texas Tech there. Chris Beard is my coach of the year. 
Um, he's a phenomenal young coach. I think UCLA would be foolish to not offer him like $4 million a year and try to steal him. Uh, he's probably the best young coach in the country. And Jarrett Culver has really come on. I mean, like they're just, they play defense so well. Um, sometimes they get a little stagnant offensively, but like uh, Chris Beard just draws up great stuff. Great X's and O's guy, great motivator. Um, I, I think Texas Tech is is right on the outside of, of who I would consider a title contender, but like Texas Tech is probably a pretty good sneaky Final Four pick for for a person who wants to sort of go outside of the beaten path a little bit. Now I saw reports that the Big Twelve may get eight teams in the tournament this year. That would be the most of any conference. So who do you see as legitimate in, and who doesn't have a case? I mean, uh, yeah, they, they could get eight. I mean, like, uh, ACC could get eight if NC State can beat Virginia and then Clemson somehow gets a gift. Uh, so they're they're in in play for that as well, I think. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, no, ACC would get nine if Clemson got in and NC State got in. So I, I, think, I think ACC will get eight. Um, because I think somehow one of those teams is going to slide in despite my ranting about it. Uh, Texas Tech, Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State all safely in. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, did I skip one? No, I, I don't know how they get eight. Who's the eighth? I guess if Texas wins today, which I sort of expect them to, then maybe they get in also. I think TCU uh, – is in I, well, no, they they won their game yesterday. I forgot that they won the last second. I, I was ready to say that they were out. Oklahoma, I think, is probably in, but they're really gonna sweat, dude. Like, I, I, there are multiple teams in the Big Twelve that are really, really, really gonna sweat down the stretch. Um, you know, again, Texas. God, even if they, you gotta beat Kansas because they're potentially a sixteen loss team. How should that should be? That should be grounds for removal from the Big 12 period. Being a 16, God bless America, how do you lose 16 and then you might get in the tournament? I don't even know if, if they beat Kansas, that's enough, frankly. like there's an, there's an eyeball test that's really hard to get past at the end of the day. I know Texas beat UNC. I know that they've got you know um, big wins on their resume. They've obviously beaten Kansas before this year. Might beat Kansas again. Beat Kansas State on the road. Beat Purdue at home. You know, now that I'm looking at it, those are really good wins. But like, you got so many losses. They got the shit beat out of them. Am I allowed to swear? Yes, sir. Sorry, I, sh- I should have asked. <laughs> um, they got they got the shit beat out of them by TCU the last game of the season at home. How do you lose to TCU at home? It's ridiculous. I don't care whether Kerwin Roach is playing or not. Like, you got to beat TCU. So, I don't know, man. Um, gun to head, I think Oklahoma probably gets in. Uh, the end of that game was heartbreaking, though. Did you see that yesterday? No, I, I missed it. They made the shot to send the game to overtime, but then uh, upon replay, you saw that, like, at the very last second in the shooting motion, the shooter's toe just barely hit the three-point line, uh, so it was a two instead of a three. And so, yeah, thrill of uh, thrill of victory, agony, defeat, right there. Uh, the, old, um, the old Ray King three-pointer, huh? Yeah, right. Um, Always Oklahoma, on the line. 
Oklahoma and TCU gun to head, I'd say, are probably in. Um, I think is Baylor even in the conversation? They can't be. Uh, yeah, I guess they are in the conversation. Oh, I missed them. Yeah, maybe they will get eight. Uh, Baylor's in. I uh, yeah. I, but the problem is just like who do you replace these teams with? Because all the other teams, that, like you've got to assume, you've got to believe that mid-majors are getting in as at-large teams if these guys are not getting in, mm-hmm. if um, teams like TCU are losing out, if teams like uh, Arizona State and the Pac-12 are not getting in, if teams like Ohio State, Clemson, uh, Minnesota, Oklahoma, if you think these teams are missing, then that means you believe that Belmont's getting in, that Lipscomb is getting in. Um, teams that, again, I believe should get in. But uh, I, but I just don't necessarily see happening just because I've watched the committee pass those mid-major teams year in and year out over and over and over again. So, yeah, some terrible teams are going to get in. Um, <laughs> Oklahoma, TCU, sure. Texas, maybe. Indiana, why not? Let's put a 17-loss team in there. Why not? <laughs> why stop there, right? Let's put, a, let's put a sub-500 team as an at-large in the NCAA tournament. Um. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> this is this is just it's rough and it'd be so easily solved. Put more mid-majors in. The mid-majors are good. They're good, they've earned it. Teams won't play them in out of conference play because they know the mid-majors will beat them. So they refuse to play those teams. And then it hurts the resume of these mid-major teams that are just looking to bump up their strength of schedule and can't do it because teams are, are saying, nah, I'm not playing you. The end. Mm-hmm. So um, when your conference tournament and maybe you catch us in the big tournament and where we don't, where we can't wiggle out of it. But if I got a choice, no, I'm not going to go play Murray state. Are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So anyway, yeah. I mean, who knows? maybe they'll all get in. Right, <laughs> they right. might all get it. It's ridiculous. So our final conference tournament will be the guys out west in the Pac-12, where Washington is the top seed, followed by Arizona State, Utah. Oh, man, we're gonna t- we're gonna talk about the Pac-12 and Oregon State. Hey, man, they're a major conference. They're gonna get an automatic bid in one of these Big, Big East tournament. Is, <laughs> Big East is better than the Pac-12 All by right. a lot. If you want to substitute uh, Pac-12, well, here, for here's East, my here's my ahead. Pac-12 thoughts. Washington is gonna win the Pac-12 tournament. Everyone else sucks. It's going to stay end. at home. <laughs> They're all terrible. They're all terrible. Arizona State maybe has a chance to get into the NCAA tournament, but they could also lose to, like, Washington State or whatever. Like, they will they are so all over the map. Uh, Bobby Hurley, not a contender for the Duke job, in my opinion. Um, yeah, nobody deserves to get in other than Washington. And even Washington should only really deserve to get in as the automatic qualifier. If you lose to California – then you deserve to not be in the NCAA tournament. California, until they beat Washington, was the worst major conference team in the Ken Palm era. So like in the last two decades, Cal was the worst, and they strolled into Washington and won. <laughs> like that should be a disqualifier automatically. Automatically. Um, yeah, so uh, the Pac-12 is awful, and they're not worth talking about in my opinion. So over in the Big East, I don't know. I don't have the those teams in front of me, but I know it would be in some combination: Villanova, Seton Hall, Marquette, and maybe Georgetown as their four top teams. 
Uh, here, I'm pulling up the bracket right now. This should be pretty easy to find. I mean, I think you're more or less on the mark there. Yeah, Villanova, Marquette, uh, Seton Hall, and Xavier. Xavier, okay. Uh, are the top four with Creighton and Georgetown closely behind. Um, this is actually going to be a really interesting one. This one's going to be good. Um, I don't know who's winning out of Villanova and Providence right now. Um, again, it's an easy one for me to look up. I've got the app open in front of me. Oh, Zivillanova's winning, sort of as expected. Um, I really like, and maybe this is just like K-Bad, like influencing me a little bit. I like how Georgetown has played down the stretch. I think they've really come on. They're a very young team, uh, and they have looked a lot better as of late, um, than they did earlier in the year. Uh, so I think feel like they're probably, I mean, this is probably not just me saying this. I I, I think they're a pretty sneaky pick uh, if you're looking for uh, like a sleeper. Um, You know, they've struggled against Seton Hall a little bit, and that's who they'd have to play. Um, But, you know, I kind of like their chances. I feel like they've played pretty well recently. Um, And again, they've got a great backcourt, which I feel like you really need. I mean, they just beat Marquette on the road, beat Seton Hall, beat Villanova. I mean, uh, they did get blown out by DePaul, but let's ignore that. Yeah, um, it's just hard to pick somebody other than Villanova, in my opinion, here. Um, Even with Villanova not being great this year, I mean, so it is pretty wide open. Marquette is so one-player reliant. Now, granted, he's, if it wasn't for Zion Williamson, he would be the player of the year, Marcus Howard. Um, But they're so reliant on him to get, like, 30 to 40 points. I mean... They've done really well this year on the whole that way. Um, so maybe I shouldn't discount it because, again, guard play matters. Um, he's certainly better than the guards they have at Villanova. But Marquette would also have to – they'd have to beat St. John's. They'd have to beat either Seton Hall or Georgetown, both of whom I think would be pretty difficult, especially Georgetown just beat Marquette. Uh, and then they'd have to beat, realistically, probably Villanova. I mean, that's that's a tough path. I feel like if you're betting, you've really got to go – with Villanova, assuming that they're going to be uh, the team to beat here. Um, yeah, I mean, but Marquette's probably going to get a bigger seed than Villanova in the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm just underrating them because, again, Wojo is a candidate for the Duke job, and I do not want him to get the job. <laughs> like, I do not think that – I think that next year, first 10 games, if you're a gambler, fade Marquette against the spread in every game next year at the beginning of the year before people realize that they will not be remotely as good without Marcus Howard. So before we move on to talk about the mid-majors and uh, the ter- the number one seeds for the tournament next year, if you were on the committee, what would be your cutoff for losses for a tournament team? Oh, man. I mean uh... – so, see, the problem is exactly what I just said with Texas, right? Like, they've got wins versus Kansas, Kansas State, Purdue, UNC. I mean, like, that's a that's a really hefty top four. Um, and ultimately, in the tournament, you want the best teams. And, uh, you know, now I'm going to completely row back on what I just said. <laughs> but, like, the best teams, like, your record doesn't necessarily reflect how good you are as a team. Right, like Texas is twenty seventh in Ken Palm. They're higher than Marquette in ten in Ken Palm, and Marquette's going to be a five seed. Right, so like Texas as a twelve seed, if they were to get in as a play in team or whatever, 
would be favored against Marquette, the five seed in the opening round, right? Like that's crazy to think about, but that just goes to underscore the the point that records don't really matter uh, when it comes to determining how good your team is. And even though they want the records to matter for seeding, I think ultimately the NCAA committee wants the best teams in, which is why they end up having a team with what will end up being 16 losses, Texas, be in over a team like Lipscomb, who I think is great, but who is 51st in Ken Palm, or Belmont, who is 54th in Ken Palm. Um, it, it just comes down to what you believe they want. Do they want the best teams, or do they want to reward the teams that play the most consistently and display the most heart? Now, I would prefer the latter, but I, I get the argument for the former. I mean, like, yeah, Lipscomb is less likely to beat Marquette than Texas is in a 5-12 matchup. So would I have a cutoff? I, I don't know. Um, if, if you can beat tournament teams with, with some degree of consistency and then, and then the mid-majors, who granted the system is rigged against, but if they haven't really displayed the ability to beat a, a, a major conference team, I mean, Lipscomb beat TCU on the road. That's, uh, that's it. Right, they got swept by Belmont. Um, they put up a hell of a fight against Louisville. Like, but and and so like that does matter. But like, I don't know, especially because I was at Louisville. I don't. I I wouldn't put a cutoff. I know I just like bitched about it, but I wouldn't put a cutoff because I think ultimately, like, if you're a team with a lot of losses, but you're like a top twenty-five team via Ken Palm then you probably need to be in the tournament because you're going to cause some real chaos. Like Texas, realistically, yeah, they could lose in the first four, but if they made the Elite Eight, it wouldn't really surprise anybody because they're good enough to beat the best teams right? right. when they're playing well, which is infrequently. But, yeah, I don't know. It's a, that's, a, that's such a tough question. I, I don't have an answer to it, sadly. We'll shift over to thinking about next week as the NCAA tournament will start. And like you've been talking about, it's all about the upsets in the uh, first weekend of the tournament. So the mid-majors are going to play a big factor in those upsets. So give us a handful of mid-majors that we need to watch out for next week. Um, I mean, this one's going to be a no-brainer. I mean, especially because you as a UNC fan are familiar with this team. I mean, Wofford is probably going to be a seven seed right around there. Uh that's a that's a team that's really tempting to take into the Sweet 16 to upset a two seed and to move on from there. Um, they're really good and they shoot lights out. Uh, they've got you know realistically two players that might not make the NBA but but are going to at least play professional basketball and, and might give the NBA a chance. And that's definitely something that you look for in your mid major sort of Cinderella teams you really want to find somebody that's got some real talent there right and Wofford definitely has that talent Buffalo is tremendously talented um again that's that's barely going to be an upset kind of scenario but Buffalo is like the team where they're going to get like a six seed maybe a seven seed and then again I I think they could easily beat a two seed or a three seed Uh, Buffalo you know screams an elite eight team to me you know if you want to find an upset candidate like that I mean to put it in perspective, Wofford is going to be like a seven seed, and the Ken Palm has them at the strength of maybe a five seed. So you always want to sort of look for those teams 
that are under seeded from what their difficulty is. Because then, I mean, again, if Wofford is playing uh, a two seed, like let's say LSU uh, somehow gets a two seed. Well, th- that's going to be a pick game in Vegas. Like Wofford and LSU are basically the same in terms of how well they've been playing. So, yeah, I mean, like if you've got a seven seed, you could favor over two seed. G- great. You know, like that, that makes your life a lot easier. Um, in terms as a gambler, you always want to pick the Cinderella guy there. Um, other teams that are mid majors that I like, uh, I'm not high on Nevada actually. Um, they, they just don't play defense and they take terrible shots. You know, I'm really tempted to size, uh, UCF here, a little Johnny Dawkins action. Um, I think they played really well. I think his son has played really well. And they've also got like Taco Fall in the middle, which if, if those listening have not watched him play, he's seven, six, he's 310 pounds. He's just a game changer because, uh, he's so big, like, and, and he moves okay. And he's like a pretty smart player for a guy who's that big. Like he's not just like the kid in high school who was big, but like bad, but you played him anyway, because he was so big. Right. Like he's actually good, too. He puts he, he has a huge block rate, obviously scores like 10, 11 points a game, obviously, mostly just on putbacks. But um, that makes it really, really hard to plan for that team because you can't like practice playing against a guy who's seven, six. <laughs> you know, you just, there's no way to to account for it. So that'd be an interesting one. Um, I think Utah State is good. Uh, they would probably be. I don't know, around the 10 line, 11 line, which is probably appropriate, frankly. Um, But I sort of like them more than Nevada in a lot of ways. Um, You know, they've got some pretty decent wins this year, uh, beating Nevada. They gave Houston a game at Houston. Uh, They beat St. Mary's. Uh, Again, no, like, hugely impressive wins there. Just a really smart team uh they defensive rebound like you're not going to get offensive rebounds against utah state they take care of the ball they shoot the ball well they move the ball beautifully uh top 10 in the country in assist rate um so that's the sort of thing that really helps i got good experience guard play there um any other any like real real sleepers people are going to talk about murray state a lot um and again they've got a guard in john morant who can take over a game single-handedly. Uh, I, I would check which five seed they're playing. If they're playing like a strong five seed, I think that's one that everyone is going to like gravitate toward. Same with St. Mary. I think that uh, I think that those are going to be really popular picks that I'm just maybe not necessarily completely on board with. St. Mary's actually probably is a pretty good one, but Murray State's like 52nd in Ken Palm. I, I'm not convinced they're even better than Belmont, even though they beat Belmont. So, um, yeah, not overly in love with that. Um, if you're looking for a team that's a mid-major that you want to pick uh, as an upset special, again, I I can't recommend Ken Palm's website enough. I, I, I'm a subscriber. It's easily worth the 20 bucks a year. I'm on the website literally every day, basically. Um, look for teams that are higher than, like, the rest of them. Like, so every year you can go in and see – like a 13 seed that uh, is better than some of the 12 seed teams or, or a 15 that's better than some of the 13s, right? Like you've got to, you want to find those uh, discrepancies, right? Because uh, if you're a two seed and you're playing a true 15 seed, 
then you're probably in pretty good shape. But if you're a week two seed and you're playing the equivalent of a 13 seed, that's that makes a world of difference. That's going to be a game that's multiple possessions closer than it would be the other way around. So that's where I would look. Um, teams like Northeastern, uh, who will probably be on the 14-15 line, they sort of jump out to me as a potential candidate there. Uh, maybe they'll be more like a 13. I might be underrating them. Uh, Yale uh, obviously plays really well. Um, they've got you know a pro prospect on their team. So that's certainly one that one could look for. Um, I don't know about any like deep, deep, deep cuts though. Uh, I mean, Colgate was okay. I'm I'm trying to find like the next 16 seed. You know what I mean? Like there's always, (laughs) you want, you want to be that guy. You want to be that guy who had it in your bracket and then you can show your friends and, and really blow their mind. Um, I'm just not convinced that any of the 16 seed teams are good enough this year that they play like a a wild enough like style something interesting enough i mean iona will be a 16 seed um i don't think they've been very good this year they don't play defense really Uh, i mean but they never have but iona is one of those teams that just like they shoot a lot (laughs) A lot. This year they're not as good at shooting, but I mean they've won the last, you know, nine, ten games, whatever. Um maybe they're feeling it a little bit more now. Um Yeah. Uh I, I don't know. I don't see a sixteen uh, people say like, oh now the, the the doors are off, now sixteen seeds will uh whatever. Uh, no, it's just it's not gonna happen like that. Last year was wild. Last year was just weird and and, and that's that. Um, yeah, and NC State's going to lose today, so I, I don't, to follow up on that, I don't think NC State's going anywhere. Yeah, look for like a 12 seed, maybe a 13, but look for those ones that are underrated on Ken Palm. I think that that tends to be something that looks really good. And then find the teams that are weak at the top. That's where you really want to look, right? Um, for teams that, uh, that are not quite as strong on those top lines. Now, I think that the number one seeds regardless of who you have them as, um, they're probably in pretty good shape um, because they're all, like, the best teams, period. But then you look at, like, again, certainly LSU as a two or a three seed, they're not as good as uh, as a three seed, according to Ken Palm. They should be more like a, like a five seed. So that's uh, regardless of Will Wade. So that's obviously a team you can look at for an upset, um, certainly I would peg Kansas as being very, very vulnerable, uh, to an opening round upset Kansas state, even more so, uh, if Dean Wade isn't playing, um, I think Virginia tech is underrated as a five seed. Uh, I think Maryland is probably a vulnerable five seed Mississippi state Marquette, both definitely, especially Marquette. Very vulnerable five seeds. If we got Marquette versus Murray State, I'm picking Murray State in a heartbeat. I'm not thinking twice about it. Um, so yeah, those five seeds are vulnerable this year. Man, yeah. I didn't even consider. I didn't even considered it. Um, but yeah, look for those discrepancies. And 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 same for like I, I think less likely than big Cinderellas. You want to pick like some teams in like the the six through eight range to really go far. And again, I sort of talked about, I think Auburn is a team that could go really far uh, in there. I think Buffalo is a team uh, that is underrated in that uh, area. I think that Iowa state 
uh, is probably going to be seated below where they belong. Um, I could certainly argue that Louisville will be seated uh, under where they belong. They'll be a seven or eight seed. Uh, again, via Ken Palm, they should probably be closer to like a four seed. I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, yeah, you want to look for teams like that. Those are like the real quote unquote sleepers. Um, teams that we know can beat two seeds and one seeds make final four runs uh, unexpected, but yeah. Anyway, All that's right. how you should pick your bracket. <laughs> Long rant over. And our final topic will be just who do you think are going to be the number one seeds when the tournament is announced on Sunday? We can pretty much Sharpie in Virginia in the East as uh, you know, they've basically gone wire to wire in the ACC. Unless they just have a total just blowout loss in the ACC tournament. I don't see them moving off of their line. And even though they lost, I can see them moving off the East. I don't. I don't see them moving off the uh, the one line. I agree that they're a one seed. Um, maybe if they lost a state today, but that's not going to happen. And then the other number one seed that everybody feels strongly about is out west with Gonzaga. Even though they got upset in their conference tournament, everybody still feels like they're going to represent uh, the Western uh, region as their number one seed. So. That leaves the South and the Midwest kind of up for grabs uh, this weekend. A lot of people still have Duke as representing the South, but I think they're going to, after the Carolina loss on Saturday, a lot of people are trying to nudge Carolina up there to maybe take over Kentucky's spot in the Midwest or maybe even take over Duke in the South. But it's all going to, I think, hinge on who wins that game on Friday if they play each other. So uh, in your estimation, who has the inside track on the two other number one seeds that are up for grabs. Well, first of all, let's, uh, I want to also point out that Gonzaga might be vulnerable if both Duke and Michigan state win their conference tournaments, because I think if both of them win their conference tournaments, then it's going to, then you really can't take either of them off the one line. So then you'd have Virginia, you'd have Duke, you'd have Michigan state. And then are you going to pick Kentucky or Gonzaga? Uh, I mean, again, if Kentucky wins the SEC tournament, if Tennessee wins the SEC tournament, and especially if it's Kentucky, then I think that's a one-seed resume as well, right? So I think Gonzaga is rooting for teams like Duke, like Michigan State, uh, like Kentucky to lose uh, just to make their lives a little easier. I agree they have an inside track, um, but yeah, that would be tough. I think that if Duke beats UNC they're on the one line. And again, this has less to do with what is maybe even fair. (laughs) And it has more to do with the fact that the NCAA wants the best teams in the field in the best way. And I think it would be weird if the Vegas favorite to win it all, which if Zion is playing Duke will be the Vegas favorite to win the NCAA tournament. I think it would be very weird if they were a two seed. Um, I, I don't know that the NCAA would do that. So I think as long as Duke gets up to Virginia uh, in the ACC tournament, then I think they're probably a one seed. Um, I think if UNC beats Duke, they're definitely a one seed. Um, I think if NC, uh, I think the winner of Duke UNC on Friday is definitely a one seed and still has maybe an outside chance of getting the other one seed if Kentucky and Michigan State lose. Um, I think you've really got to root for chaos in that scenario. Now, granted, I'm I'm placing bets on UNC and Kentucky and Michigan State to win games all the all the way through, just so uh, 
if they keep winning and I'm miserable, then I keep winning money. It's the old <laughs> emotional hedge, right? Um, which, yeah, is, is a standard Russell play. Um, I think if you put a gun to my head, I think Duke will beat UNC with a healthy Zion, assuming that he's 100%, which I, I think is a safe assumption. Then I think Virginia is in. I think that Duke is in. I still think that Gonzaga is in. Um, And then if Kentucky wins the SEC tournament, like I think that they will, I'd have to think that they are the fourth. And if Kentucky lost, then it would be down to UNC and Michigan State as the other one. And that's a really interesting conversation uh, to have, especially because in order to make the argument that Duke – is like an unimpeachable one seed, um, then then you're almost certainly including the fact that the Duke has had injury issues. Well, Michigan State has had a ton of injury issues, and they still won their conference. So, you know, Duke right now, just just for context, people, why I also think the Duke will probably be one seed in the net. They're three. They're third in the net. Uh, UNC is seventh. Michigan State eighth. Kentucky fifth. Uh, even with the problems Duke has had, they're 15 and five against quads one and two. To put that in perspective, Kentucky and UNC are both 16 and five. Michigan State is 16 and six. So they're really, really close. And then if you look at just what the best wins are, uh, I think there's basically no contest that Duke has the best wins of all of these teams. I mean, UNC's got the win at Duke, certainly. Uh, Duke has a season sweep of the number one overall seed, Virginia. Duke has neutral court win versus Texas Tech, and Duke has an absolute beatdown of Kentucky. I mean, like, that's that's four massive wins against teams that are realistically going to be one and two seeds. So I think it's really going to be hard to keep them off the top line for that as long as Duke doesn't give them a reason to knock them down. Um, but between UNC and Michigan State, I mean, I'd, I'd have to look and see who has the best wins. I mean, UNC's regular season sweep of Duke – may give them that nudge. But, I mean, if Michigan State wins the Big Ten tournament, it's just going to be too hard to keep them out because they love if you can win your conference and your conference tournament. Um, They they just love that way too much. So, gun to head on the fourth one, if Kentucky loses, which, again, I don't think that they will, if Kentucky loses, um, if Michigan State wins the Big Ten tournament, I think Michigan State would be the fourth uh, if Michigan State loses the Big Ten tournament, I think that UNC would be the fourth. So UNC fans need to be rooting for, obviously, first and foremost, to win over Duke. That goes without saying. I don't think I need to tell UNC fans that. But if they lose that game, then they just need to be losing for uh, rooting for Kentucky and Michigan State to lose because there's still a path to the one seed uh, with that in mind. John Swafford would be uh, popping his uh, ACC shirt if they got three number one seeds, boy. Yeah, I mean, but it, but it's merited. I mean, like Michigan State's best wins are they have a season sweep of Michigan. They've got a win over Purdue. And that's it. I mean, like they don't have another really sexy win beyond that. UNC's got the Gonzaga win and they've got a season sweep of Duke. I mean, like that's a that's a huge huge advantage in my opinion. Now granted UNC like got the breaks beat off them by Michigan, but like uh, single games don't really matter like that. We've seen over and over again, the committee prefers big wins, Mm -hmm. 
right? Big wins always matter. Now, Kentucky's got big wins. Kentucky's got UNC. They've got the big win over Tennessee. Uh, they've got a big win at Louisville. They've got a win at Auburn. They got the win versus Kansas. Uh, back win, I believe Kansas, at least, well, they weren't full strength. Doke was out, but I mean, that's those are some big wins, right? Tennessee's got big wins. They beat Gonzaga. They beat Louisville neutral court. They obviously beat the breaks off of Kentucky. They've got big wins, right? But like the biggest wins there are, uh, I think that UNC's got an argument that the win over Gonzaga by double figures and the season sweep of Duke, in terms of best wins, that's that's as high as it gets, right? Mm-hmm. And then Duke, they've got the Kentucky, the Texas Tech, season sweep of Virginia. They've got Louisville on the road in very impressive fashion. They've got Auburn. They've got FSU on the road. I mean, like, what's that? that's why when you look at just the quadrants, like, I don't think they look at just quadrant record when you're trying to choose a one seed. You're also looking at best wins, which is how in the past Duke has made number one seeds, even when people think that they shouldn't get a one seed because Duke tends to just have like really impressive big wins. They'll always drop a bullshit game, right? So will UNC, right? Like, uh, yeah, these teams lose bullshit games, but like if you win big games on big national stages that people watch and you've got names on your team that people recognize, the committee wants to reward those teams. They, they, They just do. Um, what, like why relegate one of your big teams? Um, it just doesn't make sense to me. And again, like, I I don't think this would matter, but if it came down to like, let's say Michigan state lost and it came down to UNC and Kentucky, UNC would be favorable, favored neutral court over Kentucky, even though Kentucky beat UNC earlier this year, UNC would probably be about a a point or two favorite over Kentucky right today. So I, I don't know how, again, that influences, but it certainly seems to have in the past, un- unless you're like a, a, a double conference winner or something. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it'll be really interesting. I think we won't know anything today. I mean, unless like one of these teams loses and then obviously they're not going to be a one seed. If UNC loses, they're out. If Duke loses, they're out. Uh, Kentucky doesn't play today. Tennessee doesn't play today. Um, Michigan State doesn't play today. So, like, tomorrow we'll learn a lot more. I think we'll learn which of Duke and UNC will be in. And then from there it's just Kentucky watch, Michigan State watch. I guess Tennessee is an outside shot. Um, But, again, I think it would require chaos. I think it would require – for Tennessee to get in, Duke would have to lose. UNC would have to lose to Virginia, obviously. Kentucky and Michigan State both lose, and Tennessee wins the SEC tournament. I think if all those things happen, people would really consider Tennessee as a one seed. Um, but I don't. That's that's a lot to happen. <laughs> yeah, and I mean those are my. By the way, those are my title contenders too, for the most part. Um, Virginia, Gonzaga, Duke, UNC, Kentucky. Those are, I think, the big five. I think Tennessee. You've got to consider that's six. Um. I honestly think Michigan is better than Michigan State. I know that, like, the resumes don't say that. I know that the Ken Palm doesn't say that. I think Michigan is just more balanced than Michigan State is. Um, And I trust Bayline over Izzo in March. I think Michigan is sort of a a quasi-sleeper title contender, and I think Texas Tech uh, is a quasi-sleeper title contender. Um, I don't really consider Michigan State a title contender, famous last words. Um, 
But yeah, those would be like my eight teams. If you don't have one of those teams winning at all, then you're you're throwing a Hail Mary, I think. All right, folks. So there you have it. The top eight teams you need to be looking out for next week when you start filling out your brackets to go far. Some teams that you need to look for to also cause some chaos and cause havoc in your bracket. You have those as well. Also, along with the winners of this weekend's tournaments. So I'd like to, at this point, give Russ an opportunity to give his shout outs, let people know where they can follow you on the net, where they can uh, hopefully next week get a chance to listen to you and K-Baz talk about the brackets and break down the full tournament once we know where everybody's going and who they're matched up against. I'm going to see if K-Baz wants to do like a live show. I feel like that'd be kind of fun. <laughs> um, yeah, uh I'm at, at Russell H Film uh, on Twitter for just like my regular Twitter. At seconds, the number two madness is where uh, I tweet about college basketball. Um, so you can check that out. Again, there's uh, our podcast, 2.1 Seconds to Madness. I think we've only released like one episode this year at most. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll be back next year, maybe. Um, I, I'd like to. I, I miss it. Uh, it's just that life has been crazy this year. Um also, my website, thebeertravelguide.com, if you like beer and drinking beer when you're on vacation uh, and you don't really know where the best beer is, wherever you're going, thebeertravelguide.com is here to help. We've got the top-rated breweries in a bunch of major cities and areas uh, ranked sort of by their untapped rating, what their hours are, whether they have food, lots of information for you. We're also doing like write-ups about the places that we've been and sort of the best brewery hops where you can just like plan on hitting two or three in a row. Um, and uh, we put a lot more detail into those. We've also got an event calendar for beer events nationwide uh, that we're sort of continuing to try to develop. So if, again, if you like craft beer, you like supporting local brewers, um, then our website is sort of designed to really help you find everything that you're looking for. So the beer travel and you know, you can follow us on Facebook. Please do uh, the Beer Travel Guide. We post all our new stuff there. Instagram, uh, the Beer Travel Guide. Twitter.com slash Beer Travel BTG. And then on Instagram, I'm Russell H Beer. Uh, so you can follow me there and see what I've been drinking. Again, if you're a craft beer person, um, I've almost always every day got some new picture of craft beer up. So you know, there's there's that going for you too, which is nice. Um, one more thing to add about the one seeds that I forgot to mention. I think that another argument for the ACC getting three in is out of all of the potential one seeds, Duke and UNC have by far the hardest non-conference strength of schedule. UNC and Duke are both in the thirties. Uh, Michigan state is in the nineties. Uh, Kentucky is in the hundreds, uh, Tennessee, like in the one twenties, Virginia. I mean, they're already locked in Gonzaga's in the one hundreds. Virginia's not conference was terrible. It was in the, it was in like the mid two hundreds. But so I think that that might be something that would play a role as well. If Duke and UNC have the best big wins of this bunch and they have the hardest non-conference strength of schedules, uh, that's going to be really hard to ignore, I think. But anyway, Russell H beer, the beer travel guide. Seconds, the number two madness. I think that's all my stuff I needed to plug. Well, Russ, I just want to give you a shout out and uh, tell you that I've enjoyed your podcast. I think you guys, you and K-Bad, have the best college basketball podcast in the country. Uh, like you guys say, you guys watch a lot of games, and you guys uh, turn me on to players that I would never even consider. 
uh, looking at or staying up to watch or checking out this specific team. But due to your extensive knowledge and KBAS knowledge and how many games you guys have watched over the years, definitely have turned me on to a lot of uh, teams and players that help me fill out my brackets during the tournament. So I just want to thank you guys for all the efforts and uh, hard work you guys have put in over the years at uh, Seconds to Madness. And I hope to hear from you guys really, really soon. So just a big shout out to you, Thanks, KBADS, uh, you know, for all the work that y'all put in and going forward. And, and follow KBAD also on Twitter, at KBADDS. Uh, he's been tweeting uh, a little less frequently about college basketball, but again, he's a really smart dude, my co-host for the show. Uh, definitely worth a follow as well. So, for my special guest, Russell Hainline, I'm Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.